Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, right at the top, I want to let you know there will be some sound effects towards the end of this episode that may be a little jarring for some listeners. In particular, there are some screams of pain that you're going to hear. It's nothing that I think is too graphic or gruesome, and it's a very brief segment, but just in case that's something that may be triggering for you, or if you're listening with little ones, be warned, that is in there. Okay, now, on with the show. In King Solomon's ancient book of Proverbs, the beginning of the 28th chapter goes like this. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Welcome to episode three of my storytelling podcast, Vega, a sci-fi adventure. On last week's episode, our girl Vega got cornered by a crap ton of troopers, and you thought she was going to end up in a foreign prison, but then she flashed her badge and everything was fine. That is, until she stumbled upon a murder scene in the very women's restroom she'd maimed and chained her apprentice inside of. TLDR, there was a lot of blood and there was no body, which left Vega with no other option than to follow a literal blood trail through a crazy nightclub to find out if her apprentice was dead, or nearly dead, or... Nah, she's probably dead. But just as Vega was making her way through the room of a giant flower god, she overheard a strange voice. A strange voice that was saying this. Vega's not gonna like this. Vega's not gonna like this. Vega's not gonna like this. On this week's episode, Vega's forced to make a new friend. And as you can probably guess, she will not be happy about it. Let's dive in. Now, before I tell you who this voice belongs to, I want to tell you a little bit more about how it sounds, because then maybe you'll understand why Vega feels so very unsettled by it. Have you ever heard a baby cough? I'm not talking about one of those cute little ones, but like one of those like from the back of the throat, unnatural, wet, loud ones, like when the baby has croup or something. That sound has got to be one of the worst sounds ever to rumble a human eardrum. Not only for the sheer terribleness of the sound itself, but also because it's like coming out of a baby. That's so sad and also very terrifying to hear whether it's your baby or not. That unnatural gurgling hack that croup can produce in a human baby throat, that's what this voice sounds like. And that feeling that you get when you hear a baby cough that way, that ickiness down in your soul, that is what Vega is feeling right now as she makes her way to the back of this room. So let me tell you who this voice belongs to now. It belongs to a bird. That's right. 
perched on the shoulder of a squat, hairy man sitting at the crusty bar in the back is a bird, a parrot to be exact. When Vegas sees this parrot, she feels 100 times better because this makes way more sense. There was no way that voice was coming out of a human being. The thing about this parrot that you might find interesting though is that it doesn't look like a normal parrot. For one thing, it's semi-translucent. Vega can see straight through it to the faded wallpaper behind the bar. She can also see its compact central hard drive hovering around somewhere inside of it. For another thing, this parrot is also giving off its own subtle glow. As she draws closer, Vega takes in a few more details. The guy with the parrot on his shoulder is wearing a vest made of woven straw, pants made of some hemp material. He's not wearing shoes and the bottom of his feet are black with dirt. His smell greets Vega before she has a chance to greet him and he smells very of the earth, shall we say. Vega knows before she even spots the faded green god icon tattooed on his arm. He's probably a naturalist, some follower of some forgotten nature god. Ugh, these people were the worst. She takes a seat at the bar stool beside him. Traveling hologram. Haven't seen one of those in a while. And this is what the guy says, literally, word for word. I am not interested. He is not for sale. You can stand right back up because it's a no for whatever else you want from me. Goodbye. And he doesn't even look at her. Vega can see now that this man has got this huge brass nose ring. And maybe when he got that nose ring, he thought it made him look strong, like an ox. But sitting here at this bar now, looking the way that he does, he looks more like a sad donkey than anything. This dude looks like he's fallen on some tough times. Oh, okay, Vega says. Well, unfortunately for the both of us, that's not quite true. I think you've seen who I'm looking for. I ain't seen squat. I've been sitting here minding my business all night, and I was planning on doing just that for the rest of the two. He gives her some pointed side eye and sips from his drink. And Vega goes, well, then maybe you won't mind if I ask your little pet here. Flux is not my pet, he spits. And good gosh, his breath stinks. He is my spirit guide, and it ain't none of my business what he sees. Vega's not gonna like this, Flux says, turning his head to the side and staring down at Vega with one of his beady paradise. Hmm. Flux, huh? Don't you talk to him, Donkey Dude says, but Vega's chill. It's like she's not even hearing this guy. She holds up her arm for Flux, and without hesitation, this dude's spirit guy jumps from his shoulder and lands on her, and the moment it touches her skin, something amazing happens. Flux transforms. One moment, he's a bright, ghostly parrot, and the next, he's a bright, ghostly butterfly fluttering down onto Vega's finger. Cool. And Zad Donkey Dude grimaces but says nothing because he can't. Because that's the thing with these naturalists. That's their whole vibe. They don't tell nature what to do, they just let it do its naturey thing. To give a command to your animal guide was an act expressly frowned upon in any of their traditions, but this wasn't a piece of nature to Vega. This was a piece of tech. And furthermore, she loved a good burger, so she clearly wasn't a naturalist either. So she goes, What do you think, Flux? You helpful little spirit guy? Wanna tell me your secrets? Who'd you hear that from? Which way'd she go? He's not gonna answer you. Donkey Face is right. He's a clever piece of tech and he's programmed to understand language, but not to speak it. At least not in the way that Vega needs right now. Okay then, she says. Show me. Hey, Flux just turned into a dog. If you want to picture something, picture a Labrador. He sniffs the ground where the blood trail is. Then his tail perks up. He's caught the scent. He puffs his chest out, and without even looking back at them, he bounds off. Yes! Good boy! Vega's right behind him. Mm, what? This is not how you mind your business! 
Donkey Dude says, and holding up his oversized pants to his waist, he lumbers close behind. And this is where Flux takes them. He takes them through a room of a music guy, where musicians the world over are offering up their instruments to be blessed. He takes them through the room of an astrology god, where the ceiling is a working simulation of the star-studded night sky, fast-forwarding and rewinding through millions of years at a time, where fortune tellers are reading their worshippers' futures for tonight only at half price, where Vega learns the name of Sad Donkey Dude. Mudbus? Your name is Mudbus. It's a name, he says. It's in our holy book. And Vega's like, oh, okay. You ain't got no kind of respect. Anybody ever tell you that? Over here giving orders to my spirit guide. Who are you out here with anyway? Who do you follow? Who do I follow? Vega doesn't miss a beat. The Ankle King. They're making their way through a room rented by one of Knox's biggest politically backed cults now. Vega was always forgetting the name, but she recognized prominent diplomats from all over, from Petraxis, the Little Republic, to the Great Republic, to the colonies, and anywhere in between, all schmoozing and making deals, deciding the fate of millions as they cackled over three rounds of Inebrio's cocktails. I never heard of no ankle king, says Mudbus. Oh, for real? He's huge in the Southern Quarter. We're a fighting cult. We do ankle fights. What the hell is an ankle fight? Whoa, my dude, you ain't never heard of an ankle fight? Vega keeps her eyes on Flux as they make their way through the room of a bird god. Well, I'm sure you heard of the ankle dance, though. No? Mudbus, yo, you've been minding your business a little too well. Okay, here we go, ankle fight. First of all, ankles are the most sacred part of the body. Second most are the wrists, which everybody knows are the ankles of the arms. Ankles connect our feet to our legs, and without them, how shall we locomote? We can't. We will just club our stumps around, crying for the magical device called an ankle. Some may ask, what elevates the ankle? Why not the knee? Why not the foot? I'm not asking that, says Mudbus. I actually don't care anymore. The ankle is beautiful. How many people do you know, good sir, who have great feet? How many knees do you see where you go, oh, yes, look at those knees. But everybody has nice ankles. And not only are they universally aesthetically pleasing, they are stronger than the knee or the foot, hence ankle fights. Mud bust. Oh, you're still gone. Okay. All ankle fights, Vega goes on, start with the ankle dance. It's a whole body dance that ends with the ankles. Very erotic. You gotta watch out when you're rolling it down. Shoulders, elbows, wrists, hips, hips, knees, ankles. By now, all your clothes are off. Now you take off your shoes. Slowly. Mudbus is listening. Gotta be barefoot. And then you get into the ring in the sand. This ring has been blessed by the ankle king, of course. Long live the king. May he never get arthritis. And then you gotta make a cut at the bottom of each of your feet with a special knife, hewn for the occasion from the ankle bone of an albino tiger. Oh, and I forgot. There's hot sauce all over the ring. That's part of the ritual. You have to be able to withstand the pain. Then the music comes on. Something, you know, you know, something you can, something you can bop to. And then we get to it. We bop for a little bit. And then a few more times with the ankle rolls, you recite the ancient prayers together. And then you slam our ankles together. Shut up, Mudbus says. That is not real. You are so damn disrespectful. You from Protractus, ain't you? I knew as soon as I seen you, y'all are all the same. This is just a big joke to you. Our gods out here killing each other and you're just over here laughing. 
Now they're in the room of one of the gods of the physician trade, some surgeon god, and I bet you're thinking these doctors are doing surgery in here. And yo, why would you think that? Why would they be doing surgery in a club? These people are getting turned. Because they work too hard and they have seen too much to not get turned every once in a while. Okay, so Vega had been laughing when she was making up the whole ankle king thing, but then Mudbus started talking about killing, and then Vega had the chance to remember herself. She remembered that under her dress, tucked into her hidden utility vest, was a small cache of poison potent enough to kill everybody in this club. She remembered that at the end of this trail was the probably decimated corpse of her fallen apprentice. She remembered that though everyone around her was smiling and laughing and seemingly having the time of their lives here tonight, they were all citizens of a country just barely removed from the darkest civil war their world had ever seen. And each person here had a horror story, some tale of personal tragedy worthy of the bitterest tears a person could cry. Vega stops and she turns around, she looks at Mudbus in the face and she's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. You lost your God in the war? In the war? Mudbus is giving her a look and in this look, Vega can see that his pain is fresh. My guy was murdered two days ago. Flux is wagging his tail, jumping at a woman on the dance floor, and one look at this woman tells Vega exactly why. She's covered in blood. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. It's not blood, the woman says when Vega questions her a few moments later. She's watching something on her dad's room, looking up at Vega intermittently. Yeah, about a hundred of us made that same mistake. It's pain. This girl, she comes through here with this guy and she's covered in this stuff. Turns out, she's the passcode. Her mouth hangs open. She stares at Vega as if Vega, she's supposed to know what she's talking about. Um, sorry, Vega says, the what? The woman smiles at Vega. How old are you? She's the passcode, sweetie. For that app with the A? I forget the name, what is it? Antelope, Armistice, Animus, Mudbus says. And if Vega's not mistaken, a little of the blood is drained from his face. Yeah, that's it, Animus. They've got one of those apps where they change the passcode every day. They usually spray paint it on like a wall or something, but today it was on this girl in Inebrios. Isn't that crazy? Sunny had a picture with her. She was with some guy too, I think. They were going to a pop-up party in the inner ring. And this girl, she wasn't like dead or anything, or like almost dead, Vega says. Mm, no, her arm looked pretty bad, but other than that, she was perfectly fine. Looked like she was having herself a pretty good night, actually. The woman wiggles her eyebrows like it's funny, and Vega tightens her jaw, cause it's not. Oh, good for her, Vega says. Keep it cool, Vega. Keep it cool. Think about your blood pressure. Friends, an ordinary person, much like yourself, I'm sure, 
may have felt some degree of relief hearing that news. Hey, the ignorant adolescent you were responsible for has not been viciously murdered in a foreign country. All you got to do now, you know, is find her, put her on your sky bus, take her home. Cool. But maybe Vega isn't ordinary because she's definitely not relieved. She's angry. She can feel her nails biting into the palms of her clenched fists. So, instead of being maimed and dying like Vega had been worried this whole time that she was, the apprentice was out having, what, the time of her life in these rooms tonight? And what the hell was this passcode thing? Vega had registered it, actually, in the back of her mind as she was passing through the rooms earlier that everybody had been paying special attention to their dadalings, or at least more attention than usual in their screen-addicted world. But catching glimpses of the little screens around her now, it seems everybody in here has seen the passcode and logged into the same platform and are watching the same dark, grainy video. And what did this woman say? The apprentice had taken a picture with one of her friends? Of course. Of course she had, because the only reason this girl wanted to be a hunter in the first place was for the glory. She wanted to be seen, and that was the problem. That was the problem with almost every single apprentice that came out of the gilded doors of the academy. Those kids never cared about the faith. They couldn't care less about holiness and order. They just wanted to be famous. And that's why Vega doubted anyone, especially who wanted to be an apprentice to her, because of all the hunters, Vega was the most famous. But for some reason, these delusional little plebeians didn't understand that outside the walls of one very highly fortified top clearance city in Petraxis, Vega's name was almost as common as anybody else's. Vega's not going to like this. You think it was an accident Flux heard that? Vega was 100% positive that everybody whose rooms the apprentice had passed through tonight heard it because the apprentice was no doubt making sure that everyone knew that she was the current right hand to the almighty Vega Rex. If Vega hadn't been compromised before... Oh, crap. That noise you just heard, that means Vega's got a text message. Oh, her heart's pounding in her throat right now. Oh. Okay, hold on, she's about to check it. Uh, maybe it's her dad asking if she's okay, you know? You know, maybe... Uh, no, it is not her dad. It is Prophet Parkus, a crotchety old windbag who tries to act like he's her dad, and his text is only one sentence. Four words. What have you done? No punctuation. Flux, good boy, good boy. Vega pets him. Or, you know, she mimes petting him. Because, you know, he's a hologram. Now find me another. Take us to the inner room, buddy. Flux wags his tail. But then his eyes land on something behind her and his whole body cowers as he lowers to the ground. But Vega had already sensed it before Flux backed away. It's Mudbus. She stands up slowly, turns around. If Mudbus was a gray sky over a dreary sea before, now he's a thunderstorm, an ocean of turmoil. His bare chest is heaving under his vest. I take it, Vega says, you're not a fan of this animus fellow. They watch it, Mudbus says, looking around at all the screens. I never wanted to watch it. Vega catches a glimpse of the video again. The image is dark, but she can make out the shape of a man on his knees. He's wearing oversized hemp pants. He's bare-chested, and there's an ornate green tattoo on his chest that matches the little faded one on Mudbus's arm. The man is looking up into the camera lens. His eyes are wide. A rod comes into the video. The tip of it is crackling with electricity, and it's touched to this man's skin. Mudbus is flinching, closing his eyes against the pain as though he can feel it too. He can't. He killed him. 
He killed him. Mudbus says. He opens his eyes and looks at Vega, and his eyes are already bloodshot, as if he's been weeping far longer than two days. Little girl, don't play with this. Leave your friend. Turn around. Run. Oh, he gonna kill your god, too. I can't do that, Vega says. I have to find her. Then that blood, it's gonna be on you. Flex! Mudbus hesitates. I'm going back. The Flux just looks between Vega and Mudbus, not really moving. Flux, I ain't feeling right. Come on, man, I gotta go home. Flux, get over here! Now! The Flux, scared, turns into a tiny mouse and scurries up Vega's body to hide behind her shoulder. Mudbus takes a long look at his spirit gun. His face falls. In the next moment, he folds into the crowd and disappears. Flux and Vega look at each other, stunned. There was a longer version of this episode where Flux takes Vega through a ton more rooms where they find Vega's apprentice dancing on the table at this pop-up party. Vega pays the guy running the, running the little party a ridiculous amount of money to shut it down, and Vega even tries to find Mudbus to give Flux back, but her hands were kind of full at the moment, and I don't even know how hard she tried. And that stuff was interesting enough, but honestly, none of that really matters because all Vega is going to think about all the way home is the look on Mudbus's face when he heard the name Animus. And all that she'll hear echoing in her head are the words he told her as the image of his god being slain was dancing in vivid color all around him. The words, little girl, run, 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 run. Episode 3 of Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast featured music from Matt Wigton, Isaac Joel, Hill, Mikey Geiger, and Alter Ego. The details for all those tracks can be found in the show notes as well as a link to freesound.org where I was able to find a grand majority of all the sound effects that I've needed thus far in the podcast. I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but from this episode on, I will be releasing the episodes once every two weeks until I can do this full time. So basically until further notice, and I'm hoping to release on Thursdays. That's the goal. Hopefully I can hit it. I mentioned at the end of episode two that I'm looking for help on the show. I guess it would be a good idea to be more specific about what kind of help I need. For now, I'm definitely interested in sound engineers, musicians, and general sound people. Need your minds and your ears and your art to help me continue to uh, create the fun, immersive audio landscape I want Vega to be. Eventually, I'd love to have a producer or two, but general audio folks would be great for now. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. It was really cool for me to be able to talk about the story and this whole project after I launched a podcast last week. Like, really, really cool. Thank you to everyone who listened and who provided feedback and rated and reviewed. Truly, it means so much to me and has been ultra motivating to keep on going with this story you can find me on ig or twitter at ivoma okoro that's i-v-u-o-m-a-o-k-o-r-o you can find the show on ig or twitter at vega podcast if you want to shoot me a question or comment about some of your thoughts on the story so far you can do so by hitting me up at any of those places or also emailing ivoma at vegapodcast.com i hope you enjoyed this episode and i'm looking forward to finally finally showing you vega at home Traxis, baby it's gonna be good i think that it's gonna be good i'll catch you in two weeks bye
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I'm Jonathan Pezza, the creator of the Curious Matter Anthology. And I'm betting you've probably never heard anything like our show. adapt stories from authors like Philip K. Dick, Andre Norton, and Robert Block into binaural audio movies that transport you to new worlds. That's it? You're banned for life? What's with Braxians? Please, seriously. I told you downtown was a bad idea. In our brand new season, we explore farther into the what-ifs. You think, in these instances, that somehow simply by believing things are different, they changed. Doubt. I don't follow. I doubt something, and um, they don't change, per se. They cease to ever have been. We delve deeper into the realms of horror and science fiction. Nerves of steel, boys. James, sir, please. There's no need for this. I do not believe that whatever that is can understand you. Robert, I know you are in there somewhere. If you are, we are... I made it through the barrier! It's gone all of me! It's dragging him out! Damn! Beast! Available wherever you listen to podcasts. So sit back, grab your popcorn, and listen to the Curious Matter Anthology today.